This is Radio Parallax, a slightly different perspective from a slightly different view, with topics that include matters in science, technology, history, politics, current events, and whatever we damn well please. And now the host of Radio Parallax, Douglas Everett. Welcome to the program. We've been having some transmitter problems here at our station here at KDVS this past couple weeks. And since, again, we were not sure in preparation for this show whether we'd be heard live or not, we've elected to go without a guest, feeling it would be somewhat of a disservice to have someone on and then not be able to broadcast them locally. So Mr. McMillan and I have decided to go ahead and do what we often do in this program, which is catch up on general stuff, miscellaneous items, potpourri, items that have been piling up that are worthy of comment on, at least we judge as being worthy of comment on, that uh, we'll tackle today. I have heard over the years many of you say that uh, you, you like these shows the best. And I do wonder sometimes whether we're doing a public service or taking the place of psychiatry. I don't know. We're having a lot of fun doing this. Hopefully you are too. And let's start the program as we like to do each week with On This Date in History. Before I, I do that, I want to note to Bruce and others that no, it's not because you did not send us enough money during our annual pledge drive that we're, we're off the air. It's just there's some technical difficulties, which is a good chance to thank all of you who did contribute during our annual pledge drive. And of course, KDVS does welcome your input, uh, financial input, and otherwise uh, every week of the year. But our date today is June 10th. As we look back at this day in history, note that it was on June 10th. In this case, I think according to legend, in the year 1752, American inventor and polymath Benjamin Franklin's kite was struck by lightning, leading him to develop theories of electricity. Now, my understanding is that the four or five people who tried to duplicate this experiment were electrocuted. So I think it's rather more likely that uh, Franklin put a kite up into the clouds and noted there was some static coming down the line. Had the lightning actually struck the kite, I think Franklin would have become the world's first lightning rod. Instead he, in, instead, he invented that device, which uh, has proven very effective in protecting homes over the centuries. On this date in the year 1911, China estimates its population to be 451 million. That's in 1911. So yes, 99 years ago, China had 50% more people than America does now. On June 10th in 1925, Tennessee schools adopted a biology textbook that denied the theory of evolution. And this stupidity is still with us. And finally, on this date in 1948, American test pilot Chuck Yeager exceeded the speed of sound flying over the Southern California desert in the Bell X-1 rocket plane. And uh, this is especially too bad for us because we have General Yeager's description of that very event in the can, and today would have been a good day to play it, but it will keep. It will keep very well. When we broadcast that particular segment. We want to make sure that the good folks up in Grass Valley, General Yeager's friends and neighbors, and perhaps uh, the general himself, will be able to listen in. All right, our quote of the day comes from uh, Jillian Michaels, I guess, personal trainer of the stars or some such knucklehead job, I don't know, some sort of fitness guru. She was asked in Time Magazine a couple weeks back, well, the question was, you said there are no magic weight loss pills, but I see your name endorsing supplements. Why? Said Jillian, it's not an endorsement deal. It's a licensing deal. Adding, what that means is I've worked with a lab and doctors, of course, 
to create supplements that I believe help your metabolism. This isn't a magic pill, nor is it meant to be. No, but it does appear to be magic thinking. Now, sometimes I think I ought to just like, you know, quit fighting them and join them. I'm a doctor and I've, I've worked with a lab and I have a supplement that I believe will help your metabolism. My belief may or may not be influenced by the fact that it certainly would help my bank account. Our quip of the day, and we have several quips, uh, will come from a book of aphorisms sent to us by listener Millie for the express purpose of being quoted on this program. And I think we'll put it to good use with quoting from the first chapter on aphorisms themselves. And an aphorism, of course, can be defined as a short, concise statement of a principle, or perhaps you'd prefer a short, pithy, instructive saying. I think we shall go with three. First, from André Guidé. Everything has been said before, but since nobody listens, we have to keep going back and beginning all over again. Sounding a sour note on short, pithy <laughs> sayings was Gertrude Stein, who said, Remarks are not literature. And taking a downright anti-aphorism stand was Jean Rostand, who said, There are things which don't deserve to be said briefly. But you know, since not one of those is a true knee slapper, let's thumb through the book a little more and see if we can't extract uh, one or two of these as our joke of the day. How about this from uh, humorist Ken Hubbard, who once said, There's one advantage of being poor. A doctor will cure you faster. Which, to which I might add my own. There's one disadvantage of being wealthy, or at least having some money. The lawyer will defend you slower. And uh, when in doubt, you can always fall back on Mark Twain, who said, when in doubt, tell the truth. Our stat of the day, how about this one? From findlaw.com. Nearly two-thirds of Americans cannot name a single member of the U.S. Supreme Court. Just 35% can name one member. All right, let's jump to the good, the bad, and the ugly. According to The Week magazine, it was a good week last week for gaydar, after Dutch scientists found that gay men and women are more detail-oriented than heterosexuals, which can help them detect the sexual preference of others. This is the first time that scientific proof has been found for the existence of a gaydar mechanism, said researcher Lorenza Colzato. On the other hand, it may have been a bad week last week for listening to the public after newly elected Seattle Mayor Mike McGinn set up a website asking residents for suggestions on how to improve the city. The most popular requests were for, one, better mass transit, two, legalized marijuana, and three, nude beaches. Showing once again that the residents of Seattle are forward thinkers. Finally, it was an ugly week last week for the U.S. of A., after a British consulting firm, Mercer, ranked 221 cities around the world based on their quality of living and placed no U.S. city in the top 30. For keeping track, the selections by Mercer, the top five were Vienna, Zurich, Geneva, Vancouver, and Auckland, New Zealand. 
I'm sure Vienna, Zurich, and Geneva are great places to live, but man, they're expensive. All right, from the Only in America file, we have this. A California woman is suing Google after she was hit by a car while walking on a route suggested by Google Maps. Lauren Rosenberg claims Google had a duty to warn her that the street it recommended in Park City, Utah, had no sidewalks. Though she chose to walk down the street anyway, she says Google implies that users can, quote, rely on the accuracy of the walking directions given, unquote. Well, yes, Lauren, Google may imply that, but if due to an error, the map led you to a cliff, we suggest you give the whole thing a rethink. How about this from the Only in America File Part 2? A math teacher at an Iowa Catholic school was fired for joining an atheist website on her home computer. Abby Nuray said she doesn't know how the administrators at St. Edmund's Catholic Church monitored her online behavior. For their part, the school says that not only was Nuray's firing justified, but that, quote, she should be denied unemployment benefits, unquote. What? No burning at the stake? All right, from the mailbag, and Radio Parallax does occasionally result to filching from the mailbag of others. <laughs> we didn't get something in our mailbox we liked well enough, so we're going to steal from the Sacramento Bee's correspondence. The Bee reprinted an article from David Montgomery in the Washington Post a couple weeks back describing how an unemployed auto engineer started the Tea Party movement. The article reported that on February 10th in 2009, Mary... Rakovich and her husband Ron took a cooler of water and a few signs they'd made the night before, including real jobs, not pork, and stop stealing our children's future, etc., and went to a convention center in Fort Myers, Florida, near where they lived. President Obama was holding one of his first town hall meetings nearby, and uh, Rakovich objected to the $787 billion stimulus plan, which he saw as a misguided big government overreach. By the way, on that, we're not sure she's wrong. But three separate readers wrote into the Sacramento Bee noting a quote from later in the article, which they thought was quite a howler. Wrote Jeff Bailey from Sacramento, Mary Rakovich, the Fox News-anointed founder of the Tea Party movement and self-proclaimed right-wing extremist, is looking forward to getting her hips replaced, quote, right after her Medicare kicks in later this year, unquote. I almost blew coffee out my nose from laughing so hard. Noted Dave Willis from Sacramento about this remark, this so clearly shows the hypocrisy and selfishness of people in this movement. Said Dave, they like their socialized medicine, but don't want the same for working people who are paying for Medicare. They talk about saving our children's future, but what are they doing about it except opposing programs? Anne wrote R. Armstrong from Citrus Heights, What exactly are Tea Party activists going to do to decrease the deficit? The biggest part of our federal budget is Social Security, Medicare, defense, and interest on our debt. Let's get real here. This group is willing to use these very programs they complain about. If they are serious fiscal conservatives, I'm sure they would abstain from the programs we all pay for. That means no Social Security benefits, no Medicare, and of course, no more bloated military contracts, right? Well, wrong, according to Gordon, our correspondent who went to the Tea Party affair in the Union Square in San Francisco last month. Apparently, Tea Party members don't consider the military to be a part of the government. By the way, we do want to compliment the Sacramento Bee for its efforts to straighten out some of the lies that are told in these horrible political ads, which thankfully are now behind us due to the fact that the election was Tuesday. 
In fact, I want to quote from Dan Moraine, senior editor of The Bee, who said, You wouldn't want young children to watch this California primary campaign, at least not if you hope to teach them about honesty, compassion for the less fortunate, the importance of sticking to principles, and the value of a buck. Those concepts have been in short supply. And by the way, Mr. Moraine noted that in any other election, the insurance commissioner, Steve Poisner, would have been a big spender. But not this year. He will have spent about $25 million by election day, but frontrunner Meg Whitman will have spent $90 million in her quest to win the California nomination for governor. More later on that. From the Stop Me If You've Heard This One Before file, we have this item from the B. Article from Matt Weiser, who's been writing about uh, our water uh, wars in California. Headline, Yuba told levees are good to go. FEMA gives 100-year safety rating for the region. Apparently, FEMA has stated that uh, a, a key final milestone in the $400 million project to protect the flood-prone communities of Linda, Olivehurst, Arboga, and Plumas Lake where about 3,000 new houses were built in the real estate boom of the mid-2000s. Remember when Natomas was told the same thing by the Army Corps of Engineers? We tried to get someone on this program a few years ago who was describing walking along the levee, noting the rooftops of all these new houses that had been built up in that very same area, and how a few years before that, they all would have been submerged during a flood. Unfortunately, our, uh, our correspondent got cold feet about coming on the air and talking about this. We still have hopes that someone's going to come forward and talk about this stuff. And if you want to be Radio Parallax's own deep throat, drop us a line at info at radioparallax.com. We'll talk to you. And there's some follow-up on that item about uh, the synthetic organism created by Craig Vetner and other mad scientists. I can't help but quote from one of the items in, in, in the, uh, the coverage on this. It noted that the team is working, for example, to create bacteria that could gobble up oil spills like that in the Gulf of Mexico or produce artificial fuels that would limit reliance on petroleum. Well, what's the problem with that? You've got to have the enzyme in question to catalyze the reaction you're looking for, and nature seems to find those things better than people uh, theorizing about, uh, about that in a laboratory. Let's return to an item we mentioned in passing in April from New Scientist magazine, noting that hardy microbes have been found in a natural lake made of asphalt on the island of Trinidad. This, in fact, is one of the planet's three known natural asphalt lakes where hydrocarbons seep up from an oil deposit below. Scientists checked out the fungi, bacteria, and organisms that were living off this uh, oily, gunky stuff and found plenty of them. This gets a lot of people excited about the possibility of life on Saturn's moon Titan, but uh, we'll save those speculations for a future show. But uh, no, I mean, great idea for marketing. Yes, we'll develop a new synthetic organism that will clean up oil spills. Well, at uh, 20,000 barrels a day, we don't think so. Not to say this is a bad idea, it's, it's quite a good idea, but when you have a massive ecological disaster like the one that's going on in the Gulf right now, um, you're not going to be saved by bacteria and fungi. Speaking of that, I love the fact that at one point BP said recently they think they were pulling 20,000 uh, barrels a day out of the well, salvaging it, when previously they'd been saying that the leak was only 5,000 barrels a day. I just love these guys. Apparently the video 
of the camera a mile down watching this oil gusher spew out of the uh, seafloor is a big hit on the internet. Haven't checked it out myself. And uh, we know that uh, Will Durst is going to have a thing or two to say about this oil spill. Hey guys, Will Durst here to say that calling the news coming out of the Gulf not good. It's like saying it's been a rough week for Dennis Hopper. And people are going crazy. No, really, crazy. You got your Republicans calling for government intervention. Hey, Alice, which way out of this rabbit hole? Some people are even screaming for the military to take over. The hell they expect the army to do that BP can't? Shoot it? Occupy it? Win the spills hearts and minds? Outside of that stone plug that Jack used and lost, it looks like BP's tried everything. Top hat, top kill, top cat, top chef, top cappy, topo, topo max, topo jijo. Nothing has worked, and until the relief well is finished sometime in August, we should just accept the fact that the Gulf is doomed and begin to search for the bright side of the Deepwater Horizon spill. Time for America to get back in the silver lining business, because when we're handed lemons, we make lemonade. Just need a couple of dump trucks full of sugar and some clean water. So here they are, the top 10 bright sides of the BP oil spill. Number 10, all of our shrimp dishes now come pre-marinated. Number 9, much fewer silly strident election year cries of drill baby drill. Number 8, beachside tarball fights. Number 7, semi-permanent sandcastles. Number 6, anytime you need an oil change, wander down to the Gulf and squeegee a duck. Number 5, no more squeaky oysters. Number four, don't bother drilling for oil. We got the oil coming to us. Number three, hot enough day and voila, the world's largest fish fry. Number two, no need to grease up before wriggling into tight swimsuits. And the number one top right side of the BP oil spill, every golf dock and pier is instantly transformed into a giant slip and slide. For Radio Parallax, I'm Will Durst. It's a great pleasure to have America's foremost political comic on this show week in and week out. But you know, there are political comics in other nations as well. How about this item? Dateline Reykjavik, Iceland. A self-described anarcho-surrealist party led by Iceland's most famous comedian has won the largest share of votes in the local elections in the capital. John Nars' best party took six of the 15 city council seats with a campaign video that featured the party's candidates, most of them actors or comedians, singing Tina Turner's Simply the Best. The best platform calls for providing free towels at all swimming pools and erecting a roller coaster at the airport. We only want what's best, Nara promised. If we didn't, we'd be called the worst party or the bad party. Analysts say the results show voters' disgust with Iceland's traditional parties, which presided over the country's slide into bankruptcy. We're going to have to write uh, Durst and suggest that the lieutenant governor from the state of confusion may want to follow this lead. Although I do have to note, sadly, that tall objects like roller coasters and airports just don't mix. I'm Douglas Everett. Let's take a short break. Mm-hmm. 